Bibles, iPads, phones, turn to uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. You know, in reading your Bible, I don't know if you ever do this or not, but sometimes I read the Bible and I read about a, a certain situation happening. And I, I, I think, how could you do that? You know, when I, when, I ne- when I think of Nehemiah, you know, here's a fellow that uh, had a very, very prominent job. I mean, he was uh, really very trusted uh, there in Persia. Uh, he was very successful. And why in the world would you leave there and go to Jerusalem? That's a mess. Not only that, they don't even want you there. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't coming as a conquering hero. He was coming as a problem to these people. You know what happened? They, they, got, they got used to how things were, you know. They got used to how life was, and even though it was a reproach. And even though uh, certainly uh, it wasn't, uh, if, if you know anything about uh, the Jews, they, this would have been a terrible thing to have Jerusalem's walls tore down. The reproach would have been terrible. And so, but they had gotten to a place where even though that was the case, they were used to it. So he was going to go to a place that he wasn't going to be really welcomed, and, and he had to know this. And yet we find that he was leaving uh, Persia, leaving this position and going there. I think what could have compelled him to do that? What could have so encouraged him to be that, having that kind of a life? And I thought about this morning, I was thinking about the lesson and, and, uh, and what exactly was taking place. And I thought, you know, love motivated him. When you read that in chapter 1, he was passionate about what he was hearing. And he was, he was convicted. You know, I, I pray we never come to a service that I'm not convicted. In other words, that, that God, the Holy Spirit, doesn't reach out and touch my heart and, and touch my life. I, I don't want to come into a service, and I don't want to come to a service, and I really enjoyed the service. <laughs> That's not why I come to church, you know, and I speak so mean, you're not going to enjoy these services. And so, <laughs> but you know, I, I want to come to, I want God to speak to me. I want to be convicted. And, and I'm sure as Nehemiah was talking to his friends and they were conveying unto Nehemiah what was going on and, and how he was taking it personal and how he was passionate about what he was, they were saying. And he was convicted and he had direction in his life. And so I think about when I, when I think about the word of God and, and we realize what's going on, we realize that what motivates us is love. And for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And, and uh, as we read the word of God, we see so many things here talking about love and concern and caring. And this is, this is what motivate, motivated Nehemiah. This is what needs to motivate us. Please don't get so cynical. You know, we have a tendency to say, well, preacher, there's some, there's some very difficult things happening in our world. There's always been difficult things happening in our world. It's always been that way. And what, but what we need to do is look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. There's, there's where our encouragement comes from. Well, Nehemiah went to Jerusalem. Again, uh, uh, he wasn't really favored there, but he went there. He got things worked out. We talked about it last week. Uh, in chapter 4, we see he's getting ready to build the walls, which is where the problem was. There was a reproach, and they needed the walls built. And so he went there for that reason. Uh, but it was interesting, as he went there, uh, in chapter 4, we, fe- we see the people around there, not necessarily the, the Jews, but the people around there, uh, they, were very, they were very concerned about him being there. They were mocking him. They were ridiculing him. And don't we all like to be mocked and ridiculed? Isn't that fun? 
And so that was happening. He was being mocked and ridiculed. And um, if you'll read further in chapter 4, you'll find not only did they mock and ridicule him, but they also tried to intimidate him. All that was going on. We talked about all this last week. All these things were happening and all. And uh, I don't know about you. I don't think that was a pleasant time for him. I kind of think he might have been a little bit surprised because when he was going to Jerusalem, he was going there to straighten out the city, to build the walls, if you will, and uh, and to remove the reproach. And uh, it would make things, it's like having a neighbor that never cut the grass. Are you that neighbor? And, and, you know, you would think if someone would cut the grass, you, you would like that person. And because they removed that, that eyesore, if you will. That's kind of what Jerusalem's walls were like. They were an eyesore. But that wasn't the case. Not at all. These people didn't want them to do that. Uh, they, didn't, they wanted Jerusalem to be defenseless. They wanted them to be helpless. And so, therefore, anything that would change that was a problem for them. You know, I think the same thing today. Uh, we're so surprised that the world, this is going to be profound, that the world acts like the world. And so you write that down. I mean, you know, we, that, 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 the world is going to act like the world. It's not going to act like believers because they're not. And so, therefore, that should not surprise us, but it does. And so we find this is what was going on here. Now, they got about, about verse 6, we see that they got the walls, they were building the walls, they had it about half done, and the reason they were doing it, because the people had a mind to work. I, I could just imagine, they were excited about doing this, and excited about building the walls, and all that was done. They got about half done, and man, they were, they were moving. But last week we talked about a problem, verse 10, and Judah, he was one of the fellows that was, I think was involved with this, he made an observation about the people uh, that, was, that was there at the time. He, he gave four things. He said, the strength of the bears of burden is decayed. We talked about it last week. In other words, they were fatigued. They were tired. They, they were tired. He said, I'm looking out and these, the, to the workforce, and you've got to realize they didn't have heavy equipment back then. And so they, they, they were, they, everything was done by hand, so they were tired. He said, look around, I'm seeing the, the workforce, and they're, and they're fatigued, they're tired. And he said, I'm observing that. Uh, he, go, he went on there in verse 10, the strength of the bears, the burden is decayed. Number two, there is much rubbish. In other words, they were, they were frustrated. I mean, with all this work they were doing, there was stuff everywhere around. And, and because it was round, it was very frustrating. Have you ever tried to work over stuff or around stuff? Well, that's what was going on here. So they were frustrated. He went on, he said, he, he goes on and said, <clears throat> so that we are not able to build the wall. And the problem with that was they didn't get the wall done according to their time schedule. And so they felt like failures because they didn't get the wall built according to their time schedule. And so they're sitting there, and these, this is the workforce, and they're fatigued, they're tired, and they're frustrated because all of it seems when you're, when you're about half done, it, it seems like you're never going to get done. Or the work seems so gigantic. And so they were frustrated, and then they felt like failures. They probably asked themselves this question, why did we start anyway? Look, look what we got. If that wasn't enough, Look at verse 11. And our adversary said, they shall not know. This is, this is the enemy, guys. They shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. These people around them, the enemy, they said, we are going to kill you. And I think when you're dead, you can't work anymore. 
Am I going too fast? <laughs> I mean, death is really a very permanent thing. And, and anyway, so this is, they were, they were doing that. Now, if that wasn't even worse, how can it get any worse? Well, look, verse 12, and it came to pass. I like that scripture, my favorite scripture, by the way, that phrase. That when the Jews, which dwell by them, came, this is their, these are their friends, this is their relatives, they said unto us ten times, once would have been enough, but they said it ten times, from all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. We are siding with the enemy. They, I mean, they are going to kill you. And so here you're sitting with a situation, you're fatigued, and you're frustrated, and you feel like a failure, now you're fearful. What that spells is discouragement. You say, why am I discouraged? This is why we're discouraged. There's two things about discouragement that we've talked about. One, discouragement is universal. I know of nobody that doesn't get discouraged from time to time. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter how, what kind of smile they have on their face. How you doing? Oh, I'm just doing good. <laughs> They're not doing all that good. I mean, we're living in a very difficult world, and so it doesn't matter who the person may be. It's universal. We go all go through times of discouragement. Not only that, one thing, another thing about discouragement, we talked about last week, discouragement is contagious. I mean, you get around people that are discouraged, I mean, it's going to drive you in that direction. We were making some calls yesterday and visited this sweet lady. She's about 90 years old. Very active. She's still selling real estate. I mean, she is. We went over there, and, and I knew she had fallen and cracked her something up here and all, and uh, shoulder. And <laughs> I'm trying to remember what that was. But uh, so we were talking to her, and and man, I said, man, you know, again, I know, I knew that she was in her 90s. I know she's she's working, very involved, and uh, just spunky, just neat to be around. We were talking, man. I said, I, I said, I told her, how how do you how do you, I mean, you're 90 years old. I mean, how do you, I mean, she's, she's showing houses. She's, she, she fell at work. She fell. She was showing a house, and she fell at work. And the people that she was trying to sell the house to had to take her back to the office. I think she sold, it to them, sold them the house. They were, they were ashamed not to buy it. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 that mess, maybe, maybe that's, a, that's a method of hers. She just falls every time. And... I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't. I had to think that over. But but I was talking to her. I said, "Well, I said, how 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 do you keep going?" You know, what she told me, "I stay away from negative people." I thought they sucked the life out of me, preacher. I thought, man, amen. <laughs> I know. I knows what you're talking about. You know, and, and I thought, I was, and she said, man, and I, I was watching her, and, and you know, she, she, she gets it. She gets it when it comes to this depression. It, it's contagious, and so you need to stay away from folks like that. Let me go a step further. Don't be like that. Don't be that person, you see. All right, you're depressed. Let's go home. No, let's see. If we, there's more in the Bible. I'm glad there is. Let me give you some more in the Bible. Let me give you some things here that I hope will help you. Help us uh, when it comes to this thing of discouragement. There's an antidote. It's right here. Uh, the first one is this. You need to rest your bodies. Uh, that's the first thing. We know they were tired. Uh, things look better with a good night's rest. Good night's rest. 
If you can get some sleep at night, then the morning doesn't look quite as bad. So you need to rest your bodies. The Bible says in Psalms 127:2, For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Uh, Psalms 119.73, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me and give me understanding that I may lean, learn thy commandments. So what he's saying is that we need, we need to, to take care of ourselves. Rest is so important in the Bible, it's part of, it's part of the Ten Commandments. That's how important rest is. It's in the Ten Commandments that we need to rest. And if you don't do that, you will be discouraged and you will get depressed. And so one of the first things we need to do, we need to rest our bodies. It's important that we do so. Not while I'm speaking, but yeah, I want you to say tense right now. Some of you, I see, I, I can always tell when you're, when you're sleeping, you, your head's back and your mouth's open. And so don't do that. So rest your bodies. It's very important to do that. Now, number two, we see in verse 13, we see the second point in verse 13. Therefore said I thee in the lower places behind the wall, <clears throat> and I have set the people after their families. The second thing you need to do, you need to reorganize your life. Uh, this is what he was doing here in uh, chapter 4 of Nehemiah, verse 13. Uh, he was putting together support groups. He was getting the families together, you see. Uh, and he was, he, was, he was reorganizing because things had gotten pretty difficult. Uh, they were tired. They were frustrated. They, were, they were fa felt like failures. They were fearful. And so what he did, people that they knew, he, or he reorganized their life. You see, what happens sometimes or a lot of times when we get discouraged, we give up on our goals. We, we, we cease doing that. We get discouraged. And, and the problem may be we might be doing the, uh, the, the, the right thing but the wrong way. And God doesn't want us to give up on our dreams. And what he may want to do is try a new approach. If you're getting ready to go in debt, you may need to reorganize your budget. Uh, if you're overcommitted, you may need to reorganize your time schedule. Uh, if you're out of shape. And it's coming, isn't it? Thanksgiving. Uh, the, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is best to always preach on gluttony. You know, the aisles, the altars are full, you know. But if you, if you have a problem with that, you need to, you need to re rearrange that area, rearrange your, your lifestyle, your eating habits and things of this nature. Americans are the only people that have a plan for everything but their lives. We are so planned out except when it comes to our lives and all. And so it's very important that we, that we reorganize. Now, it's, it's interesting to see here that he grouped them by families. And the reason he did that is because they already knew each other, and what he was sharing with them is that we actually need each other. We need each other. We need to be a part of each other's lives. And, and this is what he's talking about here. Fifty times in the New Testament, he talks about the word each other because we need support. We need help. We cannot do this by ourselves. We are not lone rangers when it comes to this life. We need each other. And so, therefore, it's important to understand that and important to see that. Yes, they were discouraged and they were depressed, but if they don't do you know, how in the world do we believe if we keep doing the same thing, things will be different? Isn't that insanity? To think that we can do the same thing and we'll get a different results? No, you've got to make some. And I realize we're asking you to do a little work. I realize that we're not simply trying to inspire you or to make you feel good. I'm trying to give you some things, some principles, that if you'll put them in your life, they will work. 
So rest that body. Reorganize. Don't give up on your goals. Don't give up on your dreams. The wall need to be built. Look at verse uh, 14. <clears throat> and I looked and I rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. And the third thing we need to do, we need to remember the Lord. We get discouraged because we get our eyes on the problem and not on God. The Bible says looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, if you read the book of Psalms, what a, you know what I like about the book of Psalms? David talked to himself a lot. Do you all ever talk to yourself? I mean, we just do that. A lot, of, a lot of inner conversation. Even as I'm speaking right now, you're probably having a conversation inside. I mean, it's just something. I love to read the book of Psalms because uh, it, it, it so depicts how life really is and how we really are. And we find that we need to do some communicating. There's some things that we need to remember. Let me give you three things real quick. When it comes to this area of being discouraged, what should I remember? Number one, remember that God's goodness is to you in the past. Remember God's goodness to you in the past. We just sang it, didn't we? Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I mean, we need to remember God's blessings in the past. Uh, psychologists tell us that one of the greatest emotions is the attitude of gratitude, being thankful. Well, there's one thing uh, that we need to, I used to say, well, there's one thing that we need to teach our children. We need to teach our children to be thankful. No, no, we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful, and we need to be grateful. That an attitude of gratitude. Remember the goodness of God in the past. Number two, remember God's closeness to you in the present. God, God, God's with us right now. He said, Lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you, never forsake you. It's a blessing to realize you are not in this alone. You're not in this, you're not in this by yourself. You know, God is with you. He, he desires to be with you, and he desires to be close in your life. So remember God's goodness in the past and God's closeness in the present. And third, remember God's power in the, for the future. Remember God's power for the future over and over again in the Word of God. He talks about he, these promises that God gives us. You know what I like about God's promises? He keeps them. And they cool? God keeps his promises. Uh, Isaiah 40, 31, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We need to get our minds off the discouragement and get them on the Lord. A psalm says, My soul cleave unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. Now, I'm not against diversion. When you're going through discouragement, believe me, spending more time on your iPad or iPhone won't help you. Watching more TV is not going to work it out. You know, definitely going shopping doesn't work it out. I know I'm, I'm skating on some thin ice now, you know. Say, oh, I believe he's gotten, he's, he's heresy. That's heresy, what he's saying. But shopping is not what's going to work it out. Going to a good restaurant is not going to work it out. I mean, all these things you might, you know, a lot. it's amazing to me when people are going through discouraging times or depressing times, they go to all these outsources trying to help them. And the, what the Bible says, you want to get some help, go to the Word of God. Get in the book. 
You're discouraged. You're depressed. Get in the Word of God. Start reading the book of Psalms. Start reading in the book of Proverbs. And, and you know, that's counsel from above for conduct here below. And so get in the Word of God. If you want the changes, you need to get into the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. That's, that's what will take care of this discouragement. Jonah 2.7 says, When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. So we need, to, we need to rest our bodies. We need to reorganize our life. We need to remember the Lord. Then if you stare there in verse 14, here's what it says. And fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. You need to resist discouragement. Don't give in to it without a fight. You know what I believe determines a person's greatness is not their talent or their wealth or their income or their education. I believe it's what it takes to discourage them, stops them. As Christians, you need to understand that we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We're dealing with a supernatural struggle. And we're also dealing with the accuser. He's the one that's telling you right now, you are worthless. You're worthless. You call yourself a Christian. Who, do you, who are you kidding? I mean, you're miserable. Uh, you, you need to give up. You need to forget it. Satan's favorite tactic for destructiveness for believers is discouragement. It's amazing how much of the work of the Lord has been stopped because of discouragement. People are so discouraged at all. The Bible says in James 4, 7, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It's <laughs> a great scripture, isn't it? Wow. He didn't say it's going to be easy. But he said the discouragement is a choice. We choose to be discouraged. We choose to place ourselves in a position available for him to do that to us. And I think it's important that what we need to do, we, we need to realize, we need to get our eyes off the problem and our eyes on the Lord. As I mentioned to you a few minutes ago, we were reading the scripture there in Nehemiah. Uh, you know, one of my favorite areas is that this shall also pass. The frustration, the failure, the fear, the fatigue, that is going to pass. And I think it's important that we are aware of that. And I think it's important this morning that you realize that, you know, we, we have an opportunity to go beyond this. You know what might be a good thing as you're in your heart right now praying? God, I am down. I am discouraged. And no one wants to admit that. Oh, we, we all, you know, we, we all like to, for folks to believe that, you know, everything's okay with us. We, we don't have any problems. You know, everything's fine. But the reality, that's not reality. And so maybe this morning, the beginning to get some, some, some uh, direction in your life when it comes to this area of discouragement and depression. And I guarantee you, you'd be amazed how many people that are here this morning that are really dealing with this thing, depressed and discouraged, and they don't know what they're going to do, and, and they're just, just, just perplexed. And, 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 you know, I'm saying that, that God, as we look here in Nehemiah, we see these guys went through that, and their situation was they needed to come to a place where they needed to, they needed to rest. 
They need to re remember what God has done for them. They need to have an attitude of gratitude. You ought to work on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We need to cultivate that. Say, well, and, I, and I, you know, there's a lot of great things about our country, and one of them is Thanksgiving, not because of the food. Well, and uh, of course, it's, it's Thanksgiving. Thanks. As a country, we have a holiday that's called Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's pretty good. I mean, we believe in giving thanks. You see? That, that, that is an attitude of gratitude. That's an attitude of gratefulness and thankful. And, you know, you want to get people really pleased and happy with their life? Get them learning to be thankful and grateful for what they have and, and so appreciative for what, how God has blessed them. It's amazing how that changes. The world doesn't change. We can change. We don't have to be victims we can be here as victors, as conquerors. But it comes with understanding that we need to have a grateful spirit. Thanksgiving, remember what the Lord has done. We are so blessed. We, are, we have been given so much. Remember his closeness to us. Right now, he's not in your heart right now. You need to invite him into your heart. Say, I'm not, I'm not saying, y'all, I want to be a, a more religious person. Well, not, that's not going to help you. Religion doesn't help you. A relationship with Jesus Christ, that's what helps you. And, you know, I think the deal is this. If when someone says, I'm not sure I have that, I'm pretty sure you don't. Charlotte and I have been married how long, honey? hundred and... Yeah, I know. I, I got some place to go for Thanksgiving already, so I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. It's going to be okay. We've been married something over 50 years. And... Um, I have a relationship with her. If you came to me and say, Bill, uh, do you have a relationship with Charlotte? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, I think you're in trouble, friend. I mean, you know. <laughs> and, and this morning, if, you're, if I say, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You're saying, I'm not sure. You know, I'd be concerned about that. That, that kind of bothered me. You know, I kind of question that, you know, uh, because we're not talking about, there's a lot of things you can make a mistake about or you can be, cavalier about but i don't think you can be cavalier about eternity you know what the bible says it's appointed under man wants to die it's appointed it will be an appointment that you and i will keep but after this the judgment now as a believer that's not a fearful thought but if i wasn't a believer that'd be a terrifying thought and so this morning, if you're not sure about that relationship, maybe what you need to do, you know, you know that you're a sinner, you know that, that, that you, and the Bible is true, God loves you, maybe what you need to do is ask God to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and be your personal Savior. Then that means you have a relationship because you have a connection. You see. And so this morning, I, I just challenge you. You don't have to walk out of here with the discouragement and depression. And, and let me say this to you. I'm not saying this. That, you'll, that, that once you get the victory, that you'll never have the battle. A victory doesn't mean the battles are not, the battles are still there. But what I encourage you about this morning, it's your choice. 
You have an opportunity. And what it really means is that we're getting some balance in our life. If you're not sure about eternity, you ought to come and trust the Lord. If you've walked in here this morning and you're carrying that heavy load of discouragement and depression, why not say, God, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I I need your help. Why can't we be honest? Why do we have to be deceptive? Why can't we be honest? God, I'm discouraged, I need your help. I'd like to be able to tell you that, that I never get discouraged or depressed. I fight it all the time. I battle this all the time. And some of you do too. It's a constant battle. Why? Because I'm at war. This is a war. A spiritual struggle. What in the world are we thinking? And we're not. So this morning, I can tell you this. It's very difficult for God to use a discouraged person because they're not available. They're just not available. You know why they're not available? They're taking up with themselves. So this morning, if you're fighting the battle, I've given you some tools. It's not going to go away. But it can, can be dealt with. Let's stand for prayer if you would. This is not a popular or a pleasant subject, but it is one that is universal. There's not a person here this morning, no matter the age or the gender, that doesn't have this problem. And we're going to pray. Why don't you just, let's just bow in prayer. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor.